to St. John's Sermons, a podcast from St. John's Lutheran Church, North Prairie, Wisconsin, a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We offer this podcast with the loving encouragement to use it as a supplement to your own regular reception of the Lord's gifts of forgiveness and life in word and sacrament on the Lord's day. The Lord bless your hearing of these sermons. Christ, here's the word. Let's take this gospel lesson from the end of it for once. Let's not begin with Jesus wandering into the wilderness for 40 days. Let's go to the end and just observe what verse 13 tells us. And the devil, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune Well, when was that going to be? When was that opportune time ever going to happen? You would think after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness that the devil had his opportune time, right? This is a time to get him. He's weak. Beginning at the end of the story helps us wrap our minds around a fact with regard to this story that I honestly think we shortchange. And it helps us wrap our minds around another fact regarding the whole story of God's salvation in Christ Jesus that we should change. If you want to get Jesus to fail his mission, you will never find an opportune time. Let's begin at the number one thing this says about Jesus. And that is... That he can't be beat. He's not Cam Newton. I had to get that in. That was very good. This isn't a close victory. This isn't a field goal with the clock running. This isn't a walk-off home run. This is like the 19, I think it's the 41 NFL championship game. 73 to nothing. This is a rout. Imagine, Luke doesn't tell us what was going through the devil's mind as he walked away. But he thought he had Jesus right where he wanted him. And he, he failed. And it wasn't even close. And he did everything he's known to do. You see, I began by saying, let's take a look at what this tells us about Jesus. And that is that if you want to beat him, if you want to stop his mission, there's no such thing as an opportune time. Many writers, like the writer that wrote the book that inspired that controversial film back in 1989, The Last Temptation of Christ, Many writers think that the, the, the opportune time was Jesus on the cross. That's what Nikos Kazantzakis, who wrote that book, thought. And you know what? He wasn't entirely wrong on that point. I'm sure the devil was tempting him all the way to his final breath. But he was not going to win because what we know about Jesus is that he is the Son of God. 
And this ain't close. Even when he had a chance to call out the injustice of what was happening and possibly sin in the process, he didn't do it. And he never was going to. I don't really think he felt the temptation. What does this teach us about the devil? He's not as powerful as you think. He's not the creator. In fact, he's one of the created. And as such, he's not able to do what God does in Genesis 1 and 2. He's not able to take from nothing and just by the power of his word make something happen. He has to take from what's already there. He has to take from what God has already created. He has to take from things that are good and turn them into something that we might even perceive to be evil. He can take your food and make it an idol. Never mind that God intended for you to have food. It's part of his good creation to support your bodies. He can take from drink and turn it into an idol. He can even take people, and this one is so, so important, especially as you look at this text. It's so, so important to remember that while we teach that, that humanity is sinful and fallen, we do not teach, and we never will teach that humanity is evil. Humanity is part of God's good creation. But look what happens when that sin that the devil stirs up turns into conflict. What do we do? We lose that point. Like, I, I can't stop. I never could stop. See, I can't do it. Like that. The other person becomes the enemy. They are somehow evil. Nope. Just because they didn't agree with us. But look at what the devil does. He can't create anything. He can't take plenty and build something with it. He can't take Legos and build something with it. He just takes whatever he can grab and destroys. That's what he tries to do. That's what he's trying to do to Jesus in the wilderness. He's trying to destroy God's mission. That's what he's trying to do to you every day. He's trying to destroy your life. Luther called him a thief. Did you catch the thievery stuff I was just talking about? Taking stuff and trying to use it against you? That's not his. What did he tell Jesus? You can have all the kingdoms of the world because they're mine and I'm offering them to you. If you think that that was tempting at all for Jesus, you're forgetting that Jesus knows who owns all the kingdoms of the world. It wasn't even remotely tempting. That effort to Jesus must have looked pathetic. But it's one thing for the devil, who has less power than we think, to demonstrate how poorly he manages it with Jesus. It's a whole other thing entirely when he uses it against us. Oh, I saw it when you walked in this morning. <laughs> I was joking about it. You walked in and saw the youth bake sale items, right? <coughs> right? Yeah. They're already almost gone. (laughs) 
We're not such a tough opponent. We have a sinful nature. We are fallen. When temptation strikes, we struggle against it. Jesus' most uh, powerful statement, I really believe, with regard to this, he says, in actually kind of a dear section of Scripture to many, where he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And then he says, I said this Wednesday night, apart from me, y'all can't do nothing. That's a really strong, bald statement that sort of says, you know, when temptation rears its ugly head, the devil's very good at taking the, the leftover steak in the fridge or taking, you know, um, whatever spirits he might have in the house, or he's very, very good at taking whatever he can grab and getting you with it. We're not Jesus. That's what we're confronted with in Lent. We're confronted with, in the season of Lent, our own sin. It all began with the ashes on our forehead, which say everything. Dust we are, and to dust we shall return. And you and I are powerless to do anything about it. We are not totally powerless against temptation, though, as long as someone fights for us. Why did, now we can move to the front of the story, why did Jesus go into that wilderness? At the end of Luke 3, the last, one of the last things that happens to him, before his genealogy, which finishes the chapter, is he's baptized. Remember that? That was only a few weeks ago. We kick off the epiphany season right after Christmas with the baptism of Jesus, where God the Father announces, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, That this is my son, my chosen one, my Messiah, the one I'm pleased to go accomplish this mission. Because he's going to, that's just, that's going to happen. He can't be beat. The devil stands no chance against him. And what's the first thing that Jesus does after he gets out of the water of the Jordan River with his baptism? He goes out into the wilderness and defeats Satan the first time. And it ain't even close. It's not even tempting. Why would he think that the devil has all these kingdoms to give him? Why would he think that uh, rocks that are there for a purpose, I guess, not sure what it is, why would he think that it would be all that important to turn them into bread, even if he's hungry? And why would he think that it was wise at all to jump from the highest point of the temple in, in an act that essentially is jumping from God's presence and giving up on God altogether. Why would he think that just because the devil can quote scripture, or I should say misquote scripture, that he will ever be the great interpreter of the Bible that Jesus is? Why would, why would Jesus think that this devil was even worth his time? The only reason is because you and I need him to think that. Not to think that the devil's right on all these points, but at least to think that you and I need him to win this battle. This is the early foretaste. This is the first Sunday in Lent. Where this ends is where Jesus does it once for all. Where Jesus goes up onto a cross and announces, it is finished. And level one, the devil is finished at that point. Defeated. Yeah, Mel Brooks got that part right in the movie. When Jesus dies and the drop of blood hits the ground, bores a hole through the ground, and down at the bottom, down in hell, is the devil screaming. 
because yet again, he failed. There's no such thing as an opportune time with Jesus. The devil knows that there are opportune times with us. He's going to defeat us. He's going to, he's going to get those temptations to work. We may have some uh, ability with the strength of Christ to, to, to resist temptation at various times, but we cannot do it perfectly. We never have been able to, and we never will be able to. But your Lord went to that wilderness in your place. Your Lord went to that cross in your place. And your Lord was... The possibility of losing this is not even an option. He defeated the devil. Routed it. Destroyed it. He stuck him on a leash now. And although dogs on a leash can still be a little bit dangerous, he's leashed. The Lord still controls him. In the book of Job, in that first conversation between God and the devil in Job 1, God puts limits on the devil. And what's amazing is how well the devil actually obeys him. (laughs) Who's the master and who's the dog, everybody? So for us here in the season of Lent, as we travel down this road to Jesus' cross, as we travel up to this altar to receive the gifts for which he died and rose again, for which he won the victory that was never even a, a close competition. We follow the master, not the dog. And when the dog comes into the house and wants to make a mess, you can tell him where to go. Because Jesus already has. And let me tell you something. When you do, he will. You have more power than he does in Christ. That, my friends, is the good news for the first Sunday in Lent. Mission accomplished. Enemy routed. Now we get to go back up the doors and live there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now we'll sing the sermon here. This podcast is a service of St. John's Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. For more information, including locations, service times, and links to other Lutheran agencies, please visit our website at www.stjohnsnp.org. That's www.stjohnsnp.org. Theme music performed by Mr. Philip Magnus.